this is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and this is the long-awaited return of the Eat to Perform podcast. We've had so many uh, reasons why we haven't been able to do the podcast over the last couple months, and so uh, I apologize for that. I will say, uh, well, actually, let me introduce my trusty cohort, Sarah Kumar. Sarah, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. So Sarah, Sarah's a little bugged out because I, I have my tripod set up so you can see me face to face <laughs> rather than the angle that we used to do it at. Ooh, where, so funny. Yeah. So that, like everyone would see like my rooster chin and stuff like that, you know. But I wish you guys could see it because what I see is this just this camera in front of Paul's face. Like, it's like blocking his face out. Like if you were to, you know, edit somebody's face on a photograph, that's what I'm talking to right now. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just feel like this is a better angle for the podcast. Actually, I can't wait for Facebook to finally figure out that actually two people would want to be on Facebook Live. So right. it seems somewhat logical that that's going to come up at some point, but we'll, we shall see. Yeah. So, um. I wanted to kind of catch up before we get into the the topic of the day. Um, tomorrow is my anniversary, and uh, we're celebrating, I believe it's my 23rd anniversary. We're actually closing in, am I wrong? No, 29th, I'm sorry. Um, right, I it was close to 30. Yeah, I, I'll have to do the math on it. It's not podcast friendly to do the math on it. Yes. Um, but it's been a long time. I've been with my wife since I was 18 years old. So, um, and I am almost 50, and we didn't get married till later. No, it's it's like it's like our 25th. Oh, okay. Yeah, because because uh, usually we met, you know, early on, and we recently. This is making for a shitty podcast. So I'm just gonna, that, we've been together for a long time. Um, but, um, and last week, uh, we went and we had, uh, you know, here, did, do they in Chicago, um, do they have MEA weekend? Does that mean anything to you? NBA weekend? MEA. It's like a teacher's weekend. They probably do, but I don't, I'm not, um, I mean, do you, do your kids get off I of school for some, I do and have done for my children, but I'm not teacher savvy. Yeah, but do your teacher do your kids get off of school and you're like, I don't see why they're off of school because there's no Martin Luther King Day, there's no Christmas, yeah. you know. For sure. Okay. Totally. So that's what this holiday is, right? It's like a it's it's like a place where the teachers kind of get together. Um, usually it's around conferences and stuff like that too. So um, so last week we ended up going up north. Um, we started Airbnb uh uh these cabins and uh that's been awesome you know we used to go to resorts in in northern minnesota and this time of year in northern minnesota like outside my window right now it's snowing um which i know oh my it, gosh you're snowing already it's oh yeah freezing here but it's not snow i'm a little little concerned about my daughter i i don't think it's sticking i don't think the roads are slippery or anything like that but this is really her first time driving in snow and uh you know snow sleety yeah. conditions that's scary yeah. yeah so you know she knows to drive slow we've definitely had those conversations before but um you know so she actually would probably be home from school maybe shut down facebook so we don't get a lot of those little pings um so uh yeah so we we went up north and, you know, it was more or less just a, a getaway weekend, you know, not a lot of, uh, you know, strength training or anything like that, but we did a lot of longer hikes and had a good time. Um, anything interesting happened to you the last couple weeks? Um, just, be, we've been sick, like Stevie's home today is sick, so we've, we've been dealing with a lot of that um, lately. And we've had senior night at school, you know, Tommy's a senior this year, so that was a big deal. Yeah. So is senior night, is senior, does that coincide, does senior night coincide with homecoming? 
Um, no, it's more for, um, they just celebrate the seniors. So like, for example, Tommy's a wrestler and he's in marching band. So each of the athletes walk with their parent, you know, like off the football field before the game. And they like announce, you know, Tommy Kumar with his mom, you know, Sarah Stoiber Kumar. And they take a photograph. It's really cute. It's really sweet. But that's not related to, because they, they, they have that, they have that at ours, you know. I mean, I go to all the games because my daughter's also in marching band, and so um, the 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 high school team is horrible. Um, oh. They haven't won a game in like two years. Um, yeah. So you know, uh, in a lot of ways, I don't go football. I only go for the marching band. Camp. Oh yeah, of course. Like, but the dance team and the marching band—that's the—that's the—that's the best part. Oh, yeah. Um, but they, they had senior night, and it was kind of cool. My, my kids, um, do does your son with marching band, do they do any kind of pre-game type stuff? Like, Oh, yeah. You know, before they march onto the field, it's yeah. really it's very showy. Like, uh, marching band has been – marching band has been my favorite high school – well, and theater. But marching band puts on this production before they go onto the field. Um, and it's very showy as they march onto the field um, before the game starts. So, yeah, they totally do. So, my daughter's band, okay, so in the first week they tried to do it where they they were hyping each other up. And yeah. so, you know, uh, it's the freshmen have their own band. And then, you know, it's sophomore, juniors, and seniors. And beforehand if you've ever seen like a football game where you know there's one person in the middle and the whole football team surrounds them right oh so yeah their band was like hey why don't we do that right uh-huh. and so um the chant you know uh is normally i believe that we will win i believe that we will win and then you know everybody's jumping up and down um but the band director who I don't know his name, but it rhymes with win, right? So what they say is we believe in the band director's name. And, oh. and it starts with like this low rumble and then yeah. turns into like the 147 people jumping up and down. Now week one, you know, um, all the <laughs> sophomores were like, what's going on here? And they're like, I don't want to be a part of that because I'm, you know, I don't want to be a geek. Um oh. And I, I totally berated my daughter and all of her friends um, who are also sophomores. And I'm like, you need to get in there and support that person. Imagine how difficult it is to be the person in the middle trying to get people all hyped up, you know? Oh, yeah. That's the worst. And that is... so they've gotten very good at it, you know? And... Uh, yeah, the um, it, it's really cool to cool to see. My daughter's very into the band. She actually had yeah. a failed tryout this week, which was kind of disappointing for her. But um, there's still oh, other wow. bands that she's participating in, um, and she's practicing yeah. all the time. That's the nice thing about marching band. I feel like they have so many different. Um, I don't know what they're called, but they have so many different sections that you can try out for, including like jazz band as well. Yeah, does Tommy do any of those things? Oh, he Tommy does it all. Like he Tommy's so into band, he just had a solo um last night as part of the jazz band, which he plays the berry sax, which the berry sax basically the case looks like a coffin. It's yeah. so ginormous. Yeah. Um so yeah, you know, he stood up, did his solo during a jazz song, like he's totally into it. it he might- skypes his friends. His other band buddies, while they play video games, they Skype and also play their instruments. It's hysterical. I I think that, you know, I, I often joke with my, you know, um, I think that they need to get t-shirts that say, like, Nerd Herd, you know, or oh, yeah. or things like that. But, but like, they, they're slowly starting to embrace, you know, all of these things. And, you know, I, I'll often kid with them you know that you know their experience in high school right now where they might feel like outsiders you know right 
is the exact opposite of what happens when they go to college and get into the workforce. The, you know, their right. skills, like my daughter's, you know, in mathletes. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting, like listening to, um, you know, her lack of confidence. We were actually on, on the, on the way up North, we started reading about the confidence gap between women and men. And there was this, you know, studies that were kind of, um, amalgamated and uh you know talked about you know that men have irrational confidence in a lot of instances and that by and large women don't you know mm -hmm. and uh that is reflected in my daughters i definitely see them but they also do have that kind of resiliency emily especially alice you know um probably needs a little bit more coaxing but emily is um really good at moving on and and she was very so here's a great example so they kind of coaxed people into going to math um club right and so when she showed up there was this was actually part of the study that when um men were much more acceptable accepting of failure than women Mm -hmm. And so um, the first test that my daughter took, she took and there, were, there was half boys and half girls. Um, and she got a zero and a one. It's ranked on a scale of one to seven. Um, okay. And so that was a little disappointing for her. She was actually sort of surprised at the one that she got the one in and the one that she got the zero in. Yeah. But, but I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something like ten boys 10 girls showed up for this math club. Um, and the very next week, even that, even though she had a, a disappointing result, she was the only girl that showed back up. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's great for my daughter, right? But I don't know that that's great for daughters in general. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, and you, you have boys, right? Yeah. But obviously. Well, Grant's 21. I mean, I, I still have yeah, I know, but she's she's gone. She's gone. Let her go, Sarah. You know, she's in Germany. You know, um, well, there's her self confidence. I mean, I do have to say, like Brianna paved her own way. Like she made these decisions. Yeah, you know, and as you know, we we joke about it in our house actually about having a job as a teenager, right? And Stevie is of the mindset of you know, nope, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> And who he's really my most expensive child. Where he's like, what about Brianna? Weren't you concerned? Brianna like barreled her way, got a work permit at 15 years old, and she has always worked, right? So like getting to Germany, there was no holding back. So I would say that kid's self-confidence was kind of off the charts. Like But I wonder if that's like a single parent thing. You know, I was reading I'm reading this book, um, Principles by Ray Dalio. It's an amazing yeah. book. And one of the things he talked about was kind of letting people struggle, letting right. people struggle, letting family members struggle, and that if you don't let them struggle, they never get that self-reliance, right? So yeah. in the case of... I think it's totally true. In the case of Brianna, right, you know, she's, you know, being your single parent, you know, right. she might have realized, hey, you know, I <laughs> I got to make it happen here. You know, yeah. um, things just aren't going to happen. Say, I, yeah, I always say I feel like, you know, she just decided she had enough of single mom life. <laughs> and she was like, I'm not having that, you know, Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. I, I think, uh, you know, both my daughters have a level of, of independence. You know, mm -hmm. um, Alice is a senior, and so she's she's thinking about you know maybe moving on, um, and and what that looks like, and she's talking about going to um, maybe not having a gap year, but like a gap six months where she goes to Italy and trains with like these grandmas oh, um, that would be to learn to cook. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, think about what happens right when you move somewhere you're gonna feel alone you know right you don't speak the language 
you know, there's just all these difficulties. Now, you know, she is someone that, that is able to function in that scenario, but I wouldn't say that she thrives in that scenario per se. Right. But I want it for her, right? I want her to have that experience because I think that it would add a lot to her life. But mm-hmm. um, she's got her ACTs. It's sort of interesting. Um, my daughter goes... Yeah too right yeah now. my my daughter goes to a um private school that's kind of specific to ADHD ADD kids um uh-huh. and so she's one-on-one and um man if there's anything that makes you want it just makes you wonder why the school system isn't a little bit more flexible. And what I mean by that is if you look at this Khan Academy, like Khan Academy has like this, um, this lab, you know, school, uh, most of what my daughter does is, you know, one-on-one, but there seems to be a way to do it flexibly. I'm really surprised that there hasn't been a way because you've got all these tutorial schools and all the you know all these you know kids go to school for eight hours and then they go to this this other school now for another two hours you know so so here's the amazing part alice has never gone to school more than three hours a day right and she only goes to school Four days a week. Wow. Now in her senior year, she's only got three or four credits that she has to get. Uh-huh. So she only goes to school two hours a day. Um, now, recently, you know, she's prepping for ACT. Yeah. But it just feels like, you know, I mean, let's just be honest with what it is. The, the, the pressure teachers feel is because, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way, because I have one kid thriving in school, and I have another kid that has, has you know, special concerns. Um, but in Finland, as an example, it's illegal to have private school. Like, you could literally be put in jail for having a private school. And the reason is, is because they don't want the people with resources to be able to put their kids better. They want all the kids to be able to, to benefit from the pool. Right. Right. So the fact that I can take my kid out and separate her and give her a better opportunity than other kids, I kind of think is a negative. I mean, like as well, first of all, it's, it's got awful expensive just because there's a very limited pool. It just seems like with technology, it wouldn't it it would surprise me greatly if in the next ten years that school doesn't look fundamentally different mm-hmm. because someone is going to figure this thing out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what we're doing is a similar template. But kids are in school for eight hours a day for daycare. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah. They don't absolutely. need to be in school. And, and then they have activities beyond that. Yeah. Well, that's... Mom doesn't get home until 10 o'clock at night from 6 a.m. Yeah, well, that's some of the, you know, that's some of the argument for why the yeah. daycare needs to be six hours or eight hours, right? Because right. then they have to attach the, the, the secondary stuff. But I, I think that there are a lot of kids, like, for instance... You know, one of the things that we did, you know, we actually have the ability to control my daughter's learning. And so one of the things that we did early on is we said to them, Alice is very motivated by time off. And so if you gave her the carrot of every six to eight weeks, she could earn, you know, a week or two off. She would finish her work faster and better, right? So we created like you know she she 
in her school, she can, if she gets anything less than a B, she fails the course. So, oh, wow. so that she cannot get less than a B. Um, so imagine the scenario where you have a carrot, you know, that, that this kid can catch, you know, and if they don't catch, you know, they have to stay in school two weeks more, but if they catch it, they get to be off of school. Mm -hmm. How many kids do you think would catch that carrot? A lot of them. Right. You know? And so I think, you know, if we were to think about schools differently, one of the things that we would have to think about and this brings up a lot of questions around social engineering, right? Mm -hmm. Because very soon, artificial intelligence and robots are going to change everything. You know? Oh, yeah. And so it should... There we are. It, Look at Emma. <laughs> yeah. Well, it should change things from the perspective of um, how much time we need to be at a physical job you know my wife goes in it's sort of funny because you know my wife today is working from home she just got back from a business trip in charlotte and um business trip um <laughs> they, it just sounds like so much fun she's like well i went to this one restaurant i went to this one restaurant. i'm like you went to a party you flew to Charlotte to have a party with your workmates. Um, and so uh, I feel like she should be able to defend herself sometimes um, in these conversations. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, like in her case, she actually likes going downtown. Um, so here's another invention that we've come up with, right? My, the chair just broke. <laughs> um it, your chair. Yeah, it like becomes unhinged um, every now and again. Well, can I just tell you that I really, it's annoying not seeing your face. <laughs> Having your camera in front of your face. Yeah, but everybody else gets to see my face. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Go on. Talk about what, what else. Okay, so you want, me, you want me to tell you, okay, this is free for you guys if you want to take it. All right? <laughs> so... We know that self-driving cars is coming, right? Yes. And so I'm talking to my daughter and she goes, you know what self-driving cars sound like? I mean, my, my daughter is so funny. This is my oldest daughter, Alice. You know, it's what's so funny about her school is that, and it's nothing related to my other daughter who is also just off the charts intelligent. But it's like a school of geniuses, right? Yeah, they're, awesome. Yeah, they're all ADD, but they're all like geniuses, you know? That is really cool. Yeah, and I mean, if your kid's ADD, don't be surprised if your kid is off the chart intelligent. Um, yeah. So, I'm talking to her about self-driving cars, and we were talking about how self-driving cars are going to be slower and they'll probably have Wi-Fi in them and, and there's all these different things. And right. she's like, you know what self-driving cars sound like? They sound like a bus. <laughs> it's true, right? Like, my wife takes a bus now, right? And goes to the bus that brings her downtown. Now, it's very possible that, you know, work environments will change greatly as we move to more AI and robotics and stuff like that. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's interesting from a social engineering standpoint of how Europe is still, um, like, how would you get your social? Like, they talk about you know, like blue zones yeah. and things of this nature where people live for long periods of time. And more often than not, those blue zones, they're very small communities. So I don't think that the answer is to create more sparse, you know, <laughs> I think you have, you have, you have a lot of extremes in these scenarios, but, but I think, uh, when you allow people not to have the social element, you get a little bit of a Ted Kaczynski thing that goes on 
where yeah. you you're isolated in Montana and you're thinking all the you're you're alone in your head a little bit too much and <laughs> the social element of Europe I think sets up better. I love Europe, you know, whenever I go there. That's just the way the societies were built. Once cars and and the the amount of range we all have, you know, we've been allowed to spread out a little bit more. And I don't know that that's a good thing. You know, I, th I think that social element. So even as we explore better options related to technology in school, and even as we explore, if we don't address the social side of things, and I don't mean Facebook, because we all know that like Facebook and the technology side of things, all that does is it allows a level of anonymity that allows people to disconnect from their humanity. And so um, the thing that scares the shit out of me with Facebook is that these people really exist, right? Yeah. That all of the hatred that you see, you know, yeah. I mean, and I'm not even talking about like political, right? I mean, the right. stuff that you see related to sports, related to social is yeah. unreal. It can be anything, but I mean, the thing is, it can be literally anything. It can be uh, somebody posting about a guy in their neighborhood and what he did with his garbage cans, and it's like, yeah, firing you know, squad, crazy out of the woodwork, yeah. you know, like, yeah, firing squad, that guy. Society is just worse off. There's way too many people on the planet anyway. Let's start eliminating a few of them. It's like, whoa! I didn't know Barb down this. I didn't know Barb down the street thought those kinds of thoughts. This is scary, yeah. Barb. You know. Yeah, it is. Um. Okay. So <laughs> we've spent a half hour talking about everything but eat to perform, which is kind of the way it works. And I hope people right. appreciate it, because uh, I have to say that it would be very difficult for us to do these things and just constantly talk about the same four or five topics every single week. Um, <laughs> because even though we're talking today about setbacks and why those have to be part of the equation, you know, we're really going to be hammering on similar ideas to what we talk about regularly, right? Right. And so um, I was thinking about this you know, in the context of business and, and the principles book, um, and you'll often hear people say, you know, I need to take um, two steps forward and I keep going one step back, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah. The, the, if you've ever thought, if I didn't have this happen to me, if I didn't have this happen to me, if I didn't have this happen to me, I would be a success. The reason why you're not a success is because you don't realize those things are supposed to happen. Right. That the hurdles are supposed to be there, that the system is sort of set up. And even the system relate. I mean, one of the things I often say to clients when we're talking privately is that your body is trying to kill you every single day, right? You are in a fight to stay alive, right? You just don't know it. I mean, a lot of people think that they, they, they're in a fight to stay alive at age 67. The reality is you were in a fight way before that. You just didn't take the fight serious, right? you know? And so I think what happens for a lot of people is... And this is where I think our mindset changes the way that people pursue body composition, right? So when we look at how you see overall success, let's let's take it out of the fat loss realm. Let's take it into, you know, I've used this before, but but it's so good that I have to use it again. So your personal finances, let's talk about your personal finances. We know that if you're not, if you have a lot of debt, mm -hmm. that that's going to be a strain on you. So let's view debt in the same realm that we view dieting, right? So right. in the case of debt or dieting, you're trying to, you know, 
borrow from the reserves that you've earned over time, right? Right. And the more debt you take on, the more dieting you take on, the fewer reserves that you have and and the less abundance you're going to have privately. So vacations become harder, you know, um, getting a, you know, buying a second home becomes not a reality. All these different things that, that happen for people, right? The more debt that you have, if you equate right. dieting in this metaphor, you know, it, it, it helps the metaphor. But when you look at the opposite, and this directly relates to setbacks, right? Because let's say that you were dieting and you're in debt and an emergency happens, right? Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, instead of that first loan that you have, now you've got seven loans, right? You've dieted seven times mm -hmm. and you're in a position where on the personal side, you know, you have a death in the family. On the dieting side, you're just not making progress anymore, right? Mm -hmm. The problem that you have is that on the personal side, you've already used all of your trump cards. You've already got seven loans. So now when you were in a real emergency, right, that trip to Cancun, all those other things that you use that debt for now is not available to you. In the case of dieting, right, you dieted before a wedding, and then you dieted before um, vacation, and then you dieted because, you know, summer got too out of control, right? So now you've got seven diets all lined up, ready to go, and... At one point of those, when you really need it, you're not going to have anything. So then you go, well, okay, well, what's the answer? And I think this directly relates to setbacks, you know, because for some people, you know, they can die at once, not that big of a deal, okay? But when you look at the success of dieting, right, the thing that most accurately predicts the success of a dieting cycle is were you dieting previous to that dieting cycle, right? I mean, a lot of ways, if you were eating like a moron, you're a lot better off, right? But if you come in and you've been eating clean and your calories at 1,200, where are we going to go? What are we going to do, right? right? And so now all of a sudden you have a setback, you know, and, and you get sick, your kid gets sick, you can't go to the gym for two months. Now, what are you going to do? Well, here's what you do. So let's go to the opposite side of the metaphor, right? So let's go from the standpoint where you're debt free or you're dieting free. And it's interesting because I talked about this. Ah, shoot. I keep forgetting this. The opening of the show, I really should be mentioning the fact that we, we don't have... Um, openings right now we are hoping to open things up you know oh. before the first of the year so we'll, we'll probably open things up on on december 26th uh we are probably going to do a little bit of a friends and family push earlier for um some testing that we need to do but in terms of opening up to the majority of people um that is probably going to take a back seat until the first of the year um, the other thing is I do have more episodes of my dieting life loaded up. The way that I'm going to do those is in sets of three, um, sort of, sort of like Netflix where you can kind of binge three at a time. Um, and one of the, the, my dieting life, if you haven't listened to it, if, if you should, those three, you know, they're on iTunes, yeah. they're on SoundCloud. Um, really great. But one of them was from Jenny Berry who literally had never dieted in her whole life. She actually contemplated it for like two weeks and was like, screw that, right? Um, if you get a chance to uh, check out My Dieting Life on iTunes, subscribe to it, 
give us a review. That really helps things a lot in iTunes. Um, but yeah. we are going to get you three more. I've got those three people lined up. We've got some really good ones lined up. Um, it's just a matter of like finding the time between now and the first of the year. But Jenny was sort of the opposite of the, you know, the metaphor that I just used. She basically had never dieted right. and uh, is not dieting with Eat to Perform. Um, she has been really focusing on building muscle throughout the process. Now, sometimes even in the case of, of you know, not dieting, um, maybe the metaphor for um, debt would be that you have accumulated X amount in the bank, but you have a little bit of a setback, so you have to now draw on those reserves. But you have reserves to draw from, right? right? So you, you're not technically dieting, right, in the metaphor, but you are drawing from the reserves just to kind of keep things stable. And I think there's a lot of people that actually do that. You know, I think there's a lot of people that basically kind of keep an eye on the scale. And then, you know, I used to do that. Like, you know, um, when I was not dieting, I would keep an eye on the scale. And uh, if things seemingly got a little bit out of control, you know, I would pull back a little bit, right? But I was eating in a way of abundance, you know? Right. And when you look at Eat to Perform and when you look at, you know, kind of personal finances, the less you spend on debt, you know, I mean, the problem that you run into, right, is what happens when you're in deep debt? You take on a second job, you start a second business, you do all these things to kind of stretch yourself to the limit. Yeah. And so that's what, that's sort of the same thing with dieting, right? You, you now you're doing ultra marathons, you're doing strength training, right? And, and, and you're only eating 1200 calories a day. Um, and so a lot of people wonder like, what's the secret to eat to perform? What's the secret that happens when I have a setback, right? What happens when I get sick? What happens when my weight goes up because I went on a cruise? The answer to your question is, how much debt have you taken on? How much have you dieted in the process? It was really interesting. I was watching this documentary um, and it was talking about you know, and I know I brought this up before on the podcast, but it, it, it's worth bringing up every single time. Absolutely. A 145-pound female that does not diet compared to a 145-pound female that had to diet to get to 145, the person that had to diet to get there has to inherently eat less food over time. Now, in my view... I think that there's an answer for it. They did not really account for it because a lot of these types of studies really are on the, the focus of less. How do you get people to be less? How do you get people to eat yep. fewer amounts? People say that to me all the time. They're like, so do you, when they don't know what I do, like exactly how we do what we do, they say, well, so do you have a weekly goal? like how much weight you want to be each week. I'm like, that is not how it works. Yeah. Our weekly goals are, are vastly different and they're much smaller yeah. and they're much more achievable, you know? Um, but in this instance, the one thing that they didn't really account for is that the person that has the diet to get down to 145 pounds probably has less muscle. Right. And when you, yeah. in a lab, when you're, you're measuring someone, that was the one thing that they didn't mention. Did the people have the same amount of muscle? Does the do those same people do they exercise similarly? Right? Yeah. All these different things that come into play. But but I believe that it's really, you know, when you think about somebody that's dieting, like the vast majority of people dieting are doing so with cardio and while under eating. Both right. of those things are net negatives as it relates to the debt equation that I'm talking about with this metaphor, right? Because all you're doing is building deeper debt because when you look at muscle, that's your reserve. 
right? That's the money that you're putting in the bank. So most of your life, you really should be spending making sure that you're holding on to muscle. When I talk about your body's constantly trying to kill you, that's how it's trying to kill you. It's trying to take away your muscle. It's trying to take away bone density. It's trying to take away all these different things that resistance training helps. Now, it sounds like I'm against cardio. No, I'm super for cardio also, right? I believe that there should be both. But the problem that we get into is that when, and, and the bank metaphor still plays, right? Right. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of money in the bank, right? And they, they go to the, you know, the similar metaphor would be the gym. You know, they run a lot. You know, I mean, whenever we talk about sodium, you know, people just get their sodium down to 700. It's like, no, we're not really talking about that kind of scenario. But in the, in the bank instance, you know, a good, you know, equivalency would be that once someone realizes this whole debt thing, they're almost paralyzed by having money in the bank that they don't live a good life. They don't live an adventurous life. I mean, that was one of the great things about the principles book with Ray Dalio, where he talks about imagine a life where you're extraordinary, but to be extraordinary, you had to cross an enormous jungle, right? Mm -hmm. And if you choose to not cross the enormous jungle, you're going to lead an ordinary life, right? right? And the problem with chronic dieting is that you're snuggling up to an ordinary life and that when we talk about two steps forward one steps back all these different types of things the struggle is where the magic's at the struggle of being more and working towards abundance right right so the person that just goes to the gym all the time and really eats super clean and, 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 you know, yeah, they might be eating an adequate amount of food, but they don't go on vacation. They'll, you know, I mean, assuming that they don't have a problem with alcohol, you know, they're, they're not having drinks with friends. They're not having social elements. They're just living this like miserly life. Right. Yeah. I believe that eat to perform is not about strong abdominal muscles. Right. <laughs> or, or, abdominal abdominal muscles that show i believe eat to perform is about living your life on life's terms right there's so many people that want to know the answer to their problem but the but the issue is is that they're building up a lot of debt but they're never putting anything in reserve and they're never allowing themselves the room in abundance to have a setback, right? And they're they're using exercise as another way of accumulating more debt, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you never get to the piece, here's another thing that probably doesn't occur to a lot of people. As you age, it becomes harder and harder and harder to keep your weight down. Do you think that there's an evolutionary reason for that? Your body wants to hold on to as much muscle as possible. It wants to keep you as strong as possible. So the you thinking to yourself, well, when I was 123, when I was 23 years old, I weighed 127 pounds. I'd like to get to 127 pounds. From an evolutionary standpoint, if you've had four kids, and you were eating an adequate amount of food throughout those all four kids, you would have gained muscle. In that life, you would have gained muscle if you had resistance training in the equation. If you had cardio in the equation, your resistance training would be better because you can actually get to the sixth set. You can actually do more reps. You don't have to sit in the gym. Think about a lot of you know, like these really huge bodybuilders that are doing a lot of sets and reps and they sit in the gym, 
for four to six hours. A lot of those people have to sit in the gym for four to six hours to get the requisite amount of reps because their cardio health is not phenomenal, right? And it's not phenomenal because they're huge, right? I mean, when you, you know, there's not a lot of 280, 300 pound guys, you know, I don't know what Phil Heath weighs, but he weighs relatively close to 300 pounds. He does not run like a deer, <laughs> you know? You know, and so having that level of cardiovascular health allows for your body to be more healthful as you go, right? Um, speaking of speaking of running like a deer, you know, I, I don't want to get too derailed, but I saw the most amazing thing. Did you know that deer swam? I had no idea. So we're sitting there in northern Minnesota, and you know we're we're. By the lake, it's kind of dusk time, and we hear this rustling, and it's a mama and the baby deer, and they just jump into the lake like like it. They were just oh supposed God. to jump in the lake, and oh they God. swim across the lake like it's nothing. You know? Oh my God! I mean, what would your first thought be if they're, they're suicide? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. <laughs> If I had to go, the reason, like if someone said to me, I'll give you a million dollars. No, listen to this. If I'll give you a million dollars, if you can swim across to the other side of the lake, not worth it. Right? Because I could die. If I got to the middle, I couldn't come back. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, it just, I just think to myself. And then I started to think to myself, well, why can't I swim to the other side of the lake? Right? And, uh, you know, I think, I think for a lot of us, you know, we just, we bought into this less than paradigm that exists all around us. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about finishing off Everything Hurts here in a couple weeks um, because I'm moving to a metabolic cycle for two weeks before I move back to Everything Hurts. Um, You're going to do Everything Hurts at Wolverine? Yeah. I'm planning on doing Everything Hurts a lot of times. I mean, I just look better with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I just think it was the most fun training that I've done in a long time. Like, it was just, it was fun. I, I looked forward to it every day. Yeah. I don't know that I look forward to it every day because I also think that it should be called every day. This sucks. <laughs> I, I loved it. Yeah. But I, I mean, but, it, but it does suck every day, right? If you do it right and you're pushing it hard, but I really like the challenge of it. Yeah. I like really like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about the challenge piece. I'm just talking about the, the, when you're done with it, you know you did good work. Yes. You look in the mirror, you take off your clothes, and you go, damn. This, you know, there's not a lot of workouts that do that. You know what I'm saying? Ask yourself the workout that you do. And, and the workout that we're talking about is the workout that you get free when you sign up for Eat to Perform. And, um, but how many workouts in your life? On the day you do them, you look different. Not many. You know? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. No. Especially mm -hmm. not like whole body, right? You know? You might feel like it. I can say there are definitely CrossFit workouts that I've done like, oh my God, like I must look like, I must look like She-Ra, right? But I don't. <laughs> well. Right? Yeah, I mean, some of it is just being able to consistently get to the gym and do it. You know, I've had a few setbacks. Um, let's see what Wendy's saying. She's saying, I love EH and was hoping you all might recommend or suggest that it's a good plan for some of us. I feel great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I think it, it may evolve. You know, I, I know, um, you know, I keep wanting to talk to Mike. I mean, you know, one of the things that Mike talks about is, you know, if you're doing EH, just do EH. Don't do anything right. else. 
I don't know that everybody is designed that way. So I have made a few adjustments for my personal clients where they're using EH and they're using CrossFit for the social element, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because um, I, you know, I, I mean, you know, let, let, getting back to like the main topic, you know, when I'm at Lifetime, everyone is on their earphones and no yeah. one's talking to each other and you're constantly bombarded by less than, you know, speech, right? Um, there's TVs and on those TVs, they, they have paid advertisements from Nutrisystem and all these other places, right? So the, it, it, it's sort of set up, you know, where you're feel you're, you don't realize this, but it, it's this big social experiment where you're the guinea pig, you know, and when you're constantly being bombarded by, you know, these messages of less than, it's hard to feel more. It's hard to feel better. Like, I, I do sort of wish that I could have, I mean, because there's a lot of good stuff going on there. But man, when you're watching the TV or even just glance up at all, there is always some kind of dieting something, some kind of, you know, 60 day challenge, some kind of, you know, um, approach. Well, that's always the conversation as well. I mean, you, my gym people try to talk to me, even though I wear my headphones. Yeah. And, and that is the conversation, you know, what do you, what do you, so do you do like low carb? What do you, what do you do? Like that's, the goal is always less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just see enough, you know, I don't see a lot of guys. I mean, there, there's a few guys that are my age, and, and some of them definitely, you know, they're in more shape than I am. You know, they they fitness has been a priority in their life longer than fitness has been a priority in my life. Also, they had a better approach to fitness. You know, while CrossFit definitely brought a lot to my life, um, I think I would have been a little bit better off with a little bit more specific hypertrophy work. Like, like it's really interesting to me going into the open, you know, where I, you know, I haven't done any body fat testing or anything like that, but it would shock me if, if I haven't put on five to six pounds of muscle in just this cycle, you know, oh, yeah. I just look that different. Um, and, and, you know, somebody like Mike, as an example, who, you know, he put on three pounds of muscle in, I think it was like three to six months. But this is exactly what he's done all his life. He's done some version of this. I've never done any version of this. So to me, I think I probably would have benefited from a little bit more training like this and then gradually moved into more athletic type training. But knowing what the athletic training, and, and look, I did get a bit, a lot of benefit from the athletic type training. I ended up gaining 15 pounds of muscle in less than six months. But I would have gained that and potentially even more, you know, doing more pump style training, um, mm -hmm. especially as I was getting leaner. I don't think I would have gotten near as small as I did with CrossFit, you know, because mm -hmm. I was able to get down to 149. And frankly, I just looked way too small. Um but getting back to, you know, kind of the answer to the setbacks. That's what I really love about this principles book. Is that the book and the principles that he talks about is that the answer is in the struggles. Mm -hmm. The answer is not in. See, this is what people think. Is that you get this golden path all the way to being eight packed up, right? And that's not how it works. Right. The golden path is the struggle. The golden path is your search for abundance, right? So if you looked at it differently and, you know, instead of looking at the... Example being more dieting, more debt is the answer. Right. Then looking at it as more abundance is the answer. So then when you have a setback, you have some room to grow with that. Mm -hmm. Right? That's yeah. the piece that I think most people are missing. And I think that applies to 
every piece of your life, in every piece of your life, if you look at your struggle and you've had the same thing happen five or six times, you're the problem. You have to answer that problem. You have to embrace that struggle and you have to go towards that light. And you and have you to, learn from it. yeah, because if you're not seeking true abundance, you know, and true abundance, you know, might end up with you having an eight pack, but it might not, you know, right. true abundance for you might be, you know, I was listening to this podcast, um, you know, with the CEO of Burton and it was just so enlightening because there's so many things that you hear and you know you talk you know the the podcast basically how all these businesses struggle and and he's like i don't want to tell you that money isn't helpful he's like because next week i'm going to the maldives i have a private boat rented that brings us to the most best surf ever He's oh like, so, so money matters. Money, money is awesome. He said, but I didn't get the money because I like money. He's like, I got the money because I like the struggle. At every point of the struggle, I stood up and answered the call, right? And I think, you know, if you're out there listening to this and you don't think that Sarah and I get depressed, you're wrong. Right. If you don't think that I, Sarah and I have dealt with clinical depression, you're wrong. Right. For real. It's, Sign me up. Yeah. It's just a matter of you've got to embrace the struggle. And there's a lot of people that go, well, you know, um, I, I'm depressed, so I'm not in a mental state to see that level of progress. The answer to that problem is, is that you have to make your depression your biggest priority. And if abs are your biggest priority and depression is taking a back seat, don't get surprised if you're going to be worse overall, right? When I, you know, I recently struggled with my sleep cycle and I didn't work out for two weeks as I was working through my sleep cycle. And got it back on track. And I got it back on track. And it's it's a it's a it's a maintenance thing. It, it could mess right. up tomorrow, right? But for me, sleep is more important than having vascular abs. Oh yeah. Right. right? You understand the mental part the mental health part of it. I've had vascular abs. I would like to have <laughs> vascular abs again, right? Um, I have to say, one of the things that's interesting is that once I had vascular abs, I've never not had vascular abs, right? I wake up awesome. every single morning, I can I can touch the lower part of my abs. Um, now, it goes, it goes away really quickly. Like, it goes, you know, first bowl of oatmeal goes away, but every single morning, it's the same thing. It's, it's irrespective of body fat percentage, right? Right. Um, I mean, I can, I can be 15% and I can still feel, you know, those veins. Um, I know you're thinking of something really out of line that, that you want to say, but just avoid it. I'm not at all. I'm not at all. I'm just laughing. Yeah. Um, I actually was going to say though, just going back to, you know, you know, when you dealing with any depression or whatever, anything, anything that you feel like is keeping you down. I just, I love to bring people back to, you know, anything that's bringing you down, the beauty and being so far down and feeling like things are impossible is once you can get past it, you always come back with a vengeance, but you have to embrace, okay, I'm down. I'm down. I need to get out of it. Once you get past that, there's like this, ultra light you know like and you kill it you know well and think about it like it's an army you have to learn from it. 
So like Sherry's asking and she was talking about the live subject and, and you know, she's talking about she had surgery and she's just coming back to exercise. Think about. Yeah. It's an opportunity. Yeah. Think about your problems as if they were an army, right? Which army is better? The army that has a single focus or the army that is kind of discombobulated and they're all on their own, right? In general, we all know that armies work better together than they do, you know, 20 people all alone. It's the same thing with problems, right? If, if, if Sherry, as an example, she's saying something, come back, got to come back slowly, but having it before, should I find it quickly? I would say no. I would say this is my biggest priority, right? Now, of course, you know, <laughs> it always happens where the, the phone um, comes in. But the thing, the biggest thing that you, you have to do, you know, is, yeah, you got to get to the bank at two. And, yeah, you got to get your groceries. And, yeah, you got to get all these different little things. But your biggest priority is making sure that you're healing from the surgery, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you really focus on, on that one thing. But, you know, kind of sticking with the, the Army metaphor, Army still eat at that point. They got to clean the guns at that point. They got to make sure that they're digging out foxholes at that point. So there's other things that are also important. Um, so I want to end on the, the main note right and and kind of get to that piece that when you look at your resources i mean i think it's interesting to me that we have all this data related to wearables we have all this data related to um you know food logging but no one's thinking of it from the standpoint of putting money in the bank Everybody's always thinking of it as taking away. I, you know, I, I really think that in five to ten years that that's going to change fundamentally, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are going to realize, wow, you know, these guys are really onto something here. That the abundance is actually the secret, and we, you know, we have a lot of people in fat loss. It was interesting. I was talking to my accountant, and. You know, we had put roughly 1,500 people, um, you know, on a fat loss cycle. And I was talking to him. And he's like, wow, that's a lot of people. And he knows that, um, you know, this success rate of dieting is bad. And what we, what we talked about was this paleo challenge that he and I did five to six years ago. And within four to five days, 10 people had dropped out. They just couldn't do it. Right? Right. Of the 1,500, I'd say we have less than five people that have had to leave the fat loss cycle, but we were able to move them back into another layer of support. Right? right. So they, they didn't end up being non-supported. Um, in general, though, you know, the amount of people that, that have stopped has been like five of 1,500. That, that should, you know... The more and more, you know, we've been really super transparent, you know, all of our, our all of our um, clients. It was interesting. I was, I was um, watching this thing at Lifetime, of course, um, and it was talking about in the first 30 days, you can expect to lose seven pounds. I was like, in the first 30 days of a fat loss cycle, you should expect to lose seven pounds, right? Eat to perform and you're eating, right? You're not eating this super low calorie amount. And so it's just interesting to me, the more data we're able to put in front of people, the more enlightening I think ultimately that's going to be, right? Oh, yeah. And so, so that's getting to be a really exciting place, and it doesn't exist in the industry right now. And so when you think of, you know, your personal life, when you think of exercise, when you think of food, you really need to be thinking, am I building more capacity here? Am I building more abundance? Am I putting right. money in the bank? Right? And yeah. then it's not to say that you wouldn't want to take some, some money out of the bank occasionally. 
It's not to say that you wouldn't want to run instead of, you know, do hypertrophy. And it's not to say that you wouldn't want to have a fat loss cycle occasionally. But when you do it from a point of abundance compared to a point of, of going down, it makes a big difference. All right. So we're going to end on that note. Anything interesting happening for you this weekend, Sarah? Uh, well, it's Halloween weekend. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, but it's not. We've got some some um, parties to go to, the boys and I, separately. Of course, they're teenagers, so they have their own um, things to do. So, yeah. I was supposed to work. I was Last minute, I am pretty excited. Speedy, even though he's sick, told me. But he wants to carve a pumpkin. So for being a junior in high school, I feel pretty lucky that I get to go get a pumpkin and have him carve it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I really hope we're <laughs> past I really hope we're past that. Um I do not want to be involved. Well Vicky yeah, no. I, I think you're right. Vicky's probably gonna be into the pumpkin thing. Hey, I was supposed to have a genie costume. Oh yeah, where is it? I I, I actually did look into getting a genie costume. And then I was like, that's the most ridiculous expense. You totally should. No. It, it would be totally appropriate. The, the genie costume was sort of a joke that people want me to grant wishes, right? Right. Um, and so, uh, so that's so you get the idea. genie costume and then actually do, the, um, do your Q&As that you do each week in your genie costume. That would be perfect. Yeah, I just think it's a waste of $49.95. All right, we will end on that note. I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye now. Bye, guys.